It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to the penultimate podcast in our 2018 e-commerce growth series. It's a pleasure to have you listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce marketing. The 2018 e-commerce growth series is a set of hand-picked interviews to give you ideas and inspiration on how to grow your e-commerce business in 2018. We've been covering several of the key topics I believe you should be considering and getting into some fascinating e-commerce businesses. Do let me know how you found it all. If this e-commerce growth series has whetted your appetite for really going for growth in 2018, then make sure you're also signed up to our e-commerce master plan virtual summit. It's free and packed with videos from experts covering lots of different ways to improve your business. Adam Watson of Hollywood Mirrors is a big fan of the summit. He said, top quality content and tips I had not heard of before. Thank you very much. I have lots to implement. Get immediate access to that at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Let me introduce you to today's special guest. Robert Glazer is the founder of Acceleration Partners and author of Performance Partnerships, The Checkered Past, Changing Present and Exciting Future of Affiliate Marketing. Robert has been a leader in the affiliate industry for over a decade. Now, you may remember I went to PI Live last year to swat up on affiliate marketing and attending the conference reminded me what a powerful marketing method affiliate marketing can be when done right. It's a topic we don't often get into on the show, which is why when I came across Robert's book, I knew we had to get him on. Hello, Robert. Hi, Chloe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, I've just given our listeners a really quick overview of you and your business and where you are at the moment, but how did you end up involved in the world of affiliates and e-commerce? It's a good question. So I, uh, years ago, had started a product review website. Uh, Soon after, I was always the type of person who researched products, got all the information. I was sort of everyone's personal consumer reports. (laughs) And then we we, we had our, my wife and I had our children uh, early and before a lot of our friends. And they started having friends. What did you buy? And which one should I get? And I was like, I'm so tired of answering these questions. So I decided I'd start a newsletter and I'd send out some best picks. And that's really when I first learned about affiliate through the Amazon program. And that you could, if you had content, you could make money uh, when people actually bought the products and you didn't have to sell the product. So I learned about it, uh, like a lot of people from the side of a publisher. And then years later was a big publisher for a company named Tiny Prince, sort of in a in the direct one-to-one. The company had no formal affiliate program. We had sort of a performance partnership arrangement. Got to know the founder and said the company was growing exponentially and said, you really need to do this. And he said, I had I have no idea how to do it. So how about you help us with it? So that's when I set up their program. We did it really differently than the rest of the industry. Uh, people left that company, went elsewhere, said, hey, can you help us with this? And that's that's sort of how it started. So you were, and actually, I don't know if this phrase exists in the US, but you were the poacher turned gamekeeper in some ways? Uh, I, I guess so. I don't know if I'm, you know, agreeing to something I shouldn't. Well, as in you were you were one of the affiliates out there yes, in the Wild West, and then you exactly. became someone managing a program trying to do it right. Correct. And I, and, I, and, I, and I inadvertently learned about some of the Wild West tactics and found out that I was making money far too easily and something had to be wrong with that. Uh, it's funny that you say that because we have 
just launched our, our UK practice this year and in talking with a team, we are constantly using analogies that we think are universal and they have no idea what we're talking about. It never fails to amaze me <laughs> the things you think are universal. Can, you know, considering, especially yeah. in the UK, we consume so much American TV content. And I suppose in the US, yeah. you consume quite a lot of English culture as well. And it's like, what that really? You don't? Oh, okay. Wow. And there's uh, some terms that are very common we've learned in one market that are very derogatory in the other. And that has been, uh, that has been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to find out those when you're not in the pitch environment, don't yeah. you? Okay, so as a so you kind of like the the affiliate, then you were managing affiliate programs, and now you run the agency across yeah. the world, helping people run these these profession these these proper programs. We're gonna we'll get into kind of that uh, side of things a little later on, but I I want to dwell on the book for a bit actually because I read the subtitle out in the intro, which is the checkered past, changing present, and exciting future of affiliate marketing because it's very much written like a history. And I wondered, you know, as as a trained historian myself, uh, that kind of quite appeals to me. But it seems an interesting way to approach an area where there isn't a lot of written, you know, uh, scholarly book uh, content out there that you would go in at with with the history angle. So why did you choose to write it as a history? I wanted to make it a story and my story sort of intertwined to it. I wanted to make it a book that people would want to read. I also just felt there was no content about the industry. And and, and one of the areas I've been really surprised where the book has been picking up is sort of in the academic and training. Even companies saying, hey, we're hiring people and we're training them. And they have no idea what this industry is. There are a ton of books on affiliate marketing. They are almost all about publisher sort of getting rich quick. Yeah. That doesn't help. So I, I, I felt there was a story to tell. And as part of going into the past, I felt that, you know, we are always kind of explaining away what we do. We just needed to own that. I, I kind of got tired of having the discussion saying, look, we're doing this really high end stuff in the performance space. And I felt that there was sort of a negative bias against affiliate. I've always been sort of self-deprecating and the one to say, yeah, here's here's all the problems with it. So I just thought it was an opportunity to, to look back and say, what can we learn from it? Because I think the performance model has always been the best model of marketing. It's just gotten hijacked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and what can we learn from it? Where are we now and where are we going? A friend pointed out to me that I basically took the format of, of, of any biblical story, which is, uh, <laughs> or the ghost, the ghost of Christmas past, present and, and future. Yeah. So apparently that's where the inspiration came from. Uh, cool. Cause it, I think it, affiliates is one of those things which you, it has, it's the, the part of online marketing, which I think has had the biggest learning curve has yeah. committed the most sins and mistakes and had to learn from them, which I thought when I first picked up, I was like, what, you went into the history? How bizarre. And as I was reading it, it was like, oh no, this makes perfect sense because I remember that. <laughs> yep. I remember that. Oh, that was horrible. And, and it's, it seems like a very good way to, to go with that, with that angle. Now, one of the, um, actually, no, I'm not going to ask that question. I'm going to ask a different question, which is we, the book is called performance partnerships. And that's kind of the, the holy grail of where people are, aiming for. Could you explain a bit about what a performance partnership is? Sure. So a performance partnership, you know, I guess starting off, how does it differ from affiliate marketing? Well, in our world, we felt that everyone had uh, far too many definitions of, of affiliate marketing or performance marketing even. What's gone on in the affiliate space is that you have uh, people rebranding as performance marketing because they don't want to be known with certain elements of affiliate. And then you have everyone uh, in the paid search area, SEO, also calling themselves affiliate 
marketers, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, performance marketing. So it, it's just gotten confusing as to what it actually means. So we decided that it would just be better to have a, a consistent uh, definition of, of, of a performance partnership and how, what is the good part of affiliate marketing? What does what a program that has a good part of affiliate marketing without the stuff that we think is given the industry a poor name? So first and foremost, there has to be a CPA payout. Uh, I also say COD, cash on delivery, which means rather than just saying you can measure output and income, you're, you're paying for outputs. You're paying for when you get what you want. So that has always been the core of affiliate. So and that the, I think, sorry, sorry to interject, yeah. but just for anyone who's listening, CPA means cost per acquisition. Cost per action. So you're paying for yeah, the cost sale. Per, cost per action. Yeah. The sale lead. You're paying for some action in which you literally pay as you get that desired outcome. Which which should make it like the bestest option for uh, marketing ever. It should it should absolutely. be kind of like a no brainer. But of course, the flip side of that no brainer is that it got abused. It got it got very much abused. The 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 the, the inmates were 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 much smarter than the uh, prison keepers. I guess yeah. if, uh, we're gonna, if that analogy carries over, and then there needs to be transparency. So that I would say is really different from early affiliate programs. It was a lot of don't ask, don't tell. Uh, if I'm sending you a sale, you have no. Uh, right to even ask what I'm doing. And as large brands came into the space, you know, that just became unacceptable. Uh, so we think that is pretty different. And then there's a real relationship or partnership. Again, a lot of affiliate marketing has been very transactional versus, hey, we're partners. And if my site went down today or I have been a great partner, but I didn't see that I wasn't supposed to post about that sale, you know, we make decisions that are in the long-term interest of the partnership. We don't just optimize for for the day or the transaction. Mm-hmm. And then the last part, which again is, has existed in affiliate marketing, but to different degrees, is I think there's real-time tracking and payment. So, so both parties have real-time access to what's going on. Uh, they can see uh, fully transparency. So, so that that is a performance partnership, and it always those are the elements of the, of the affiliate programs that we tried to run. Uh, I think people were running other things that affiliate programs that looked really different. When you also run a program like this and you think more about using white label SaaS platforms that are out there and maybe not not networks, it, 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 depending on who the partners are, it, it extends into other areas of your business development and partner marketing and saying, look, these are really interesting relationships we've had, and but we're managing them with spreadsheets and Google UNTM parameters. And if we actually have this one system, we could scale all types of partners much, much faster. Because uh, there's a couple of points that I want to come into. Uh, the first of which is this: it strikes me that these days performance partnerships is about bringing the whole influencer piece in as well. It's about finding the people you really want to work with and then finding yeah. a way to reward them, which could be via an affiliate program or it could be a paper post or it could be free product. But it's about thinking relationship first method of tracking second in some ways yeah and it's 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 the method of tracking just allows you to scale so one example i always give was with a tiny prince that the company had thousands of photographers so they were the largest first sort of high-end photo birth announcements and holiday cards and they had tons of professional photographers coming to them saying hey i want to i want to 
give all my clients my business and refer them to you? Can you give me a code? Can you set up a landing page? And each photographer could probably drive a couple thousand dollars in high orders because mm-hmm. if you're paying $500 for a picture, you probably were spending good money on your cards. It just overwhelmed business development. They said, I don't, we don't have, I, I can't create 2000 pages and yeah. checks and you know, each one of you. And what we said was, Hey, we actually have this affiliate program infrastructure and we called the network and said, can you build us sort of a landing page? And we build a little, personalization on top of it, but we used all the affiliate tracking and payment and core engines. And look, we're not going to give you a code. You're going to go in, you'll pull your link. And we were able to sign up a thousand of these folks. And at a thousand or $2,000, uh, uh, you know, in Q4, it became a pretty big chunk of revenue. But if we didn't have a system to scale that, uh, we never would have been able to do it. And that brings me on quite nicely to the other thing I wanted to pick up on, which was you said about networks or white label software as a solution SaaS systems, which I think is is a hugely interesting development in the industry. Um, and I thought you made a point in the book that you you shouldn't be, you know, the, the whole network model is somewhat broken because the person who can be in charge of running your program is also the one who only earns money when the sales go up, which doesn't necessarily deliver what the merchant actually wants. So could you explain a bit about the difference between the network option, which which for those of you listening, this is like the web gains, trade doubler, etc. piece, or the SaaS kind of DIY program? Yeah. So, so in the network model, and we work with a lot of networks and have them as partners, but it's important to understand that uh, they represent, uh, we call it dual agency in real estate here. They represent both buyers and sellers in the same transaction. So uh, if the buyers make more money, then they make more money. However, they are, they are paid by the sellers. So it's very, it's very similar to real estate, but they, but they represent both parties. And there was an efficiency to doing that. But there obviously, historically, have been some conflicts of interest when you do that. So if I'm a, if I'm a network manager and I'm getting paid a percentage of every sale and I have some suspicion, you know, some suspicions about a partner and that they're doing something great and I remove them from the program, I, I, I'm, I'm shrinking what my company is making. And a lot of organizations have built incentives around that. Now, some have not, and they've gone out of their way to protect against that, or some have even changed it since I've written this book. But historically, particularly the U.S. networks were all about the performance fee to their account managers. And so you just, just doing anything that lowered the account fee was not a great career move. So that mm-hmm. that's the incentive piece. The other piece is that these really large brands that have all these partners and people coming to them in the network model, which which the advantage if you're a smaller mid-sized company and you want to go put your program and get awareness makes a lot of sense to, to join up for a network. If you're a large global brand like Uber and you have lots of partners and people coming to you, you might prefer to license that technology that has the same functionality as a network. And networks also will, can white label this. And say, look, we don't, we want to pay a much smaller fee and we really value all this tracking and payout and all this stuff, but we're going to get the partners and we want them exclusive to us. So the the value of when you join a network, getting all these other people to join is because they're in similar programs like yours. A lot of these large brands are, they have a business development type partner. So Reebok was turning a lot of its athletes into performance partners. They do not want to walk that relationship to a network and make it yeah. available to, to Nike. So part of the value in SaaS is that you're, you're licensing the technology. You might call it the, uh, like the Adidas partner program instead of an affiliate program. All the branding is Adidas. It is not a co-branding thing. 
and and you know that all of the relationships or whatever you recruit, they are yours. They are not made available to someone else. So it depends on the goal. It depends on the the reach. A lot of these platforms are global. A lot of the real push in the industry is global. And and so we 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 talk to each partner about what what is right for them and what is the right solution. On the flip side, if you're like a new brand and you're entering a market and you have no brand recognition, you probably really do want to work with a network in some way and get in front of a lot of publishers uh, who are already uh, out there and, and, and you need to market to them because they're not, you have less of the pull factor to your brand. Excellent explanation. Thank you for that one. Uh, right. There's, there's one other point from the book I wanted to, uh, to pull out before we kind of dive into who and how to do an affiliate program. If you, if you've not done one before. Um, and that was, you talk, about incentive alignment. And I thought that was a lovely phrase for a very important thing within marketing in general, which is to make yeah. sure the way you're in, you're incentivizing people is the way is, is brings the results you want. Yeah. It, it, incentive alignment is, is I think the quote that I use, which I love is Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's number two says, if you show me, if you show me the incentive, I'll tell you the behavior. And I, I think it's just human nature and a lot of marketing firms out there, and this is well beyond affiliate. And I think it's behind the whole crisis in programmatic display. Uh, it, it has been, they're, they're paid to spend more. Um, so, Hey, I, if you get 20% of all the display advertising you can place for us, then you place a lot of display advertising. <laughs> you don't actually care if it works. It, uh, that is, that is the actual incentive that you've been, that you've been given. And the, but the, uh, if the, you told that agent, yeah. The, the, the crazy thing is there'd be people out there listening going, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy on the retail side. And as someone who ran a marketing agency, predominantly doing pay-per-click on Google for many, many years, the number of times we were asked by clients, because we did, we did fixed fee per month, the number of times we were asked by, by yeah. retailers, well, don't you offer a percentage of spend? Don't you offer a percentage of spend? Yeah. And the, the time I spent trying to explain to them that that wasn't in their interests because like, you want me to spend your money. Cause yeah, I, right. Like, have you ever had Google rep come to you and tell them, I use this example in the book. Have you ever had a Google rep come to you and tell you that you have, you should fewer clicks. You should reduce your clicks. No, I always come and tell you that there's more clicks available to you that you're not taking advantage. Yeah, and, and how do, how do Google in, uh, incentivize their partners? It's about increasing spend it's all about increasing spend right. so it's um so I, I just thought that was a lovely phrase that i wanted to make sure people out there were hearing incentive alignment write it across the top uh, yeah. of your, your, your the performance monitor. fee has been historically it's been one type of incentive so it is the percentage of the revenue of the program or of the commissions being paid and that's what everyone is optimized around you know we do a lot of performance fees with our clients but the way we approach it is what is performance to you uh, is it is it is it new clients? Is it partners above a certain size? Is it the revenue of the program? Is it the revenue plus the efficiency of the program? Kind of like our, our return on ad spend. So so we align ourselves to their definition of performance, not not our definition of performance. So does that literally go as far as we only pay out on new customers, um, or we pay different percentages for different types of customers that come in in different products and that sort of thing? Does it does it tweak yeah, the actual so this- incentive for the affiliate? Yeah. So towards the end of the book, I think it talks about this. This is the sort of new generation of affiliate programs, which is using far fewer broad strokes and even, you know, not, not saying, oh, this partner's 
at 6%, this partner's at 2%, you know, saying, hey, we've set up our program to pay. Here is what we value. And we're going to tie the, you know, we're going to tie the tracking system to, to do this actually in real time. So if you send us a new customer who hadn't been in our cart before, new to file, okay, that's 12%. And if you get a sale from a customer who's already in our cart with a coupon that doesn't exist, that's 1%. And so the same publisher might might make a, a very different rate based on how we've aligned our business incentives, rather than me just going to them and saying, hey, you're a 4%, your whole relationship is a 4%. So there's just a lot more intelligent discussions around setting the right incentive systems, working with the partners. The example that I also give in the book is a lot of times someone will go to a publisher and say, look, we don't, we don't find... We find your stuff a little less incremental, your stuff, your traffic or performance, a little incremental we would like. Let's say the rack rate. Is that a, is that, is that a global term, rack rate? The, yeah, the I think so. That's rate. kind of like the, the, yeah. the average or the, the, the minimum. The average, the, right. Yeah. yeah what, what someone gets off the rack is, is 10%. But we're seeing you guys really underperform that. So we're going to cut you to 5%. This has been the standard way to manage a program. A smarter way in sort of a Gen 3 would be to actually go in and look the different performance and say, hey, partner, what we've noticed is about half your traffic comes from this campaign. And it's, I mean, that is, we love that. It's super incremental and we pay 14% for it. And then the other half is coming from this that's paying 2%. And so instead of just, you know, offering to lower them from 10 to six, work with them on how can we, how can we get more of this? Because it's better for us. It's better for you. And let's get really specific because some of these publishers are really large and it's not like they have a single tactic. They have a lot of different things that they are doing, and, and those things perform differently for the for the merchants. And I guess that that's where the greater transparency comes in as well, isn't it? Is that you can they can see where they're driving the quality sales, and they can drive more of them. Hopefully, right? I tell them like, let's be let's be a partner. Hey, I'm gonna sit down with you and say, look, this this isn't working for me. Yeah. <laughs> like you would do elsewhere, and here are my choices. You either, you know, you. I, Again, if you think about affiliate 10 years ago, it was sort of like, you don't have the right to ask me questions. If you get an order, you, you should just take it. And it was a very, mm. the, 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 these folks were in a contractual relationship, but there was no transparency or really respect, I, I think, in it at all. Quite mysterious. And that goes both ways. You know, you know no, yeah. not throwing out someone overnight without talking to them. I mean, it, it, again, bringing, ironically, I would say affiliate marketing is half technology and half relationships. I mean, as good as the technology is and it needs to get, a lot of this is you can get rid of a partner from your program two very different ways. You know, you can write a nasty email and scare them off forever. You could say, hey, I'm really sorry that, you know, you violated this agreement and it's not good and I'm going to have to remove you from the program. And I, but handling that two different ways has has implications on how you may or may not work together in the future. Oh, completely. Let's let's move in to those who are listening who are going, oh, okay, affiliates isn't as dark as I thought it was. Maybe it's time for me to get get back in the mix, back in the game. Who are there? Are there oh, I'm trying to decide whether I should just put this question in the positive or the negative. You know, are there <laughs> are there co- companies who should avoid? affiliate marketing at all costs or are there kind of ones where it's an absolute yeah. no-brainer to get involved I, I you can answer whichever one makes more sense i think everyone should be interested in the concept of performance marketing about paying for for outcomes i think there are logical size points and stuff where it, it means staffing and having the right resources so 
we generally think the company should be at a million pounds probably before they consider a program because you're going to need someone to manage it and uh, a real program. But you could set up the tracking and start using it for business development type relationships earlier. And the business development type relationships is is like you you're working with someone already and it's coming in that or way. an influencer reaches out and they like a work work with you. You have a tool. You say, oh, well, I can give you a link and you can get paid through the system and rather than them having to start paying tax forms and tracking and all that stuff. So it, yeah. it is, you right, you have some tracking live so that when you have these partner influencer discussions, you have a system that they could leverage. So there's a revenue threshold where it probably makes sense to have a formal program. The other thing is it's not the first channel that you should do. You, you really need to know your revenue model and your kind of cost acquisition to think about what you're going to pay your partners I've seen a lot of people try to start because then they say, oh, performance is great. I'm going to start with that. But you're asking people to take a risk on you when you have no market adoption. And a lot of times you haven't figured out your own business model and your own pricing. So that, that is the other thing where make sure you, you're clear about your conversion times and your revenue and whatever. And then, and then you're in a much better position to go to your partners and know what you can pay them. It's, it, it, when you think of an affiliate has to take the risk. So taking, giving up shelf space for a unproven product that has no market awareness is, is, is often a tough sell. Yeah. It's like if you're an, if you're a trainer's affiliate and you currently drive 80% of your traffic to Adidas and it converts really well, and you're some newbie who's just designed a pair of trainers, the chances of you getting any of that traffic are next to zero, aren't they? Cause there's a, they're, they're, they're sacrificing revenue if they send it to you instead. Correct. And they may not know that your cart doesn't work right or your pricing is off or that they're, that they are using their money to be your marketing guinea pig. Okay. Any last advice for someone who's ready, maybe that who's in that million pound plus bracket and they're about, they've decided that affiliates performance partnerships is something they want to do in 2018. How do they start? You start by, you need a resource. You need someone who wakes up every day and this is not one of their five jobs. I think you can combine it with sort of partnering an influencer these days and making make a, a meaningful job out of it. Mm-hmm. But you need to find someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, it's a high learning curve. And so finding someone who's experienced, who can manage it, finding an agency, uh, getting a network to help you, uh, it, 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 it's not a learn-as-you-go type thing. You're, you're basically licensing your brand and you need to, you need to know how to, how to run these programs. But I think... Yeah, re- resourcing is the biggest thing. The programs that have problems are the ones that people just set it and forget it. So I, I would argue it's better to really do it once you feel that you have the the manpower uh, or the woman power to to put a good effort behind it. And that manpower, the the key thing is going to be the ability to manage relationships, isn't it? Rather than the techie side. Yeah, of recruit things. recruit and manage relationships. The technology, you'll pick a partner that will handle that, but they are the complement to that saying, hey, here's someone who knows how to go find more of these partners and then work with them and coach them and give them ideas and campaigns because just getting them in the program doesn't doesn't get you anything alone. You know, you need to have content or deals or whatever. You want to be feeding your partners things to talk about so that they're constantly able to uh, surface new content about your your brand or your products. Some excellent advice there. Thank you, Robert. It's now time for the top tips round. 
I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So Robert, first up, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Uh, So many. So I'll recommend what I'm reading now because I think it'll help a lot of people. I think it's the bestseller in the US. It's called Principles by uh, Ray Dalio. He's a, one of the top hedge fund managers in the world. And he just talks about how he has formed his his personal life and his business around a core set of unchanging principles that has sort of served as the guidepost throughout the last, you know, his life and his career and how you don't want to leave a lot of stuff to chance. You want to figure out what your principles are. You want to really document those and you want to share them with everyone. And it, and it gets from, you know, the sort of core, your reason to be, to how you operate and make decisions. And it's a really fascinating book. I I think both for life and business, it would help benefit anyone sort of grounding around making sure that they know what they stand for and that everyone in their organization knows both what they stand for and how to repeatedly do that. That's an excellent recommendation, not one I've heard about. So I shall be going and checking that out very shortly. Uh, The traffic top tip next then, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Uh, and I wonder what you're going to answer here. <laughs> <laughs> I won't answer affiliate marketing. That's too easy. So that, that, that'll, that'll be, I'll say performance marketing. Uh, I, I'll say, you know, and how we lead our marketing is really with thought leadership. And I think rather than trying to figure out the biggest, you know, when we write content or stuff like that, we, we're not, you know, what's the most SEO? We're not focused on the gamification. We're focused on how can we add the most value? Uh, to someone or create something that they really value. And I think the outcome you get out of uh, demonstrating thought leadership and that you have important things to say and just create values for others is is better, has a better outcome than trying to to game the system in any way. Thank you for, for uh, skipping the obvious answer there. That was a great one. Um, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yeah, my, my winning combo is Evernote. Uh, I try to keep try to not get distracted. I, I have a, a note for everything and a place for anything. So if you said something today and it made me think of something I wanted to present in our next offsite, I have a the next offsite folder. And so it goes in that holding place and it doesn't distract me. Uh, the other tool that I have gotten a lot of people on my team to use and that I use is called SaneBox, like insane, SaneBox. And it's a tool that figures out which of your emails you need to read or not read and puts a lot of them. It's sort of the inbox zero methodology. It, it takes them out of your inbox and puts them in a holding one. A lot of the ones that are written to groups or replies keeps them out of your peripheral vision. It also lets you snooze emails. You say, look, I, I, I use a lot of us use our inbox as our to-do list and I can snooze the email for a week and it will come back to my inbox next week when I need to deal with it. And it's helped a lot of us manage our, our email a lot better. Oh, two cracking recommendations there as well. Uh, the last one, the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? Pick something you really love to do and are passionate about because you'll just do better at it. And when it, and it's really hard, you know, I think that's where your your passion and the interest uh, comes through. On the flip side, people always say, "I want to be an affiliate. What should I write about?" And I'm like, well, <laughs> you, should, "You should write about something you really care about." Because if I told you that grills was a good converting, barbecues mm-hmm. was a good converting 
category. I mean, can you get up and write barbecue content every day? You know, if you don't like barbecue, that's really, really hard to do. So if, when you meet really successful business people, they, 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 they love what they do and they, they, then they're passionate about the topic. And I think that's, that's what you need for the days when it gets hard. Excellent. Well, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Robert, before we say goodbye, would you like to remind the listeners where they can find you and your business and your book on the web and social media, please? Sure. If you go to performance-partnerships.com, you'll find uh, info on the book and Acceleration Partners, and you can download the first uh, chapter for free. Uh, you can find more about me at robertsglazer.com. And I also have a, a weekly post called Friday Forward that I send around, which is an inspirational tip or message each week. It goes to about 25,000 people around the world. And that's at fridayfwd.com. Marvelous. I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Robert, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for being so generous, sharing your great experience and very clear vision for the future of performance partnerships and affiliate marketing with us. It's been an absolute pleasure and I wish you all the best for 2018. Thanks so much, Claire. So there we go. Hopefully that episode has given you a new point of view in the crazy world of affiliate marketing and some ideas about how you might be able to bring in the new version of of, uh, affiliate marketing even, so performance partnerships to play a bigger part in your business. Um, If you've been interested in in this particular episode and what we've been talking about, um, another podcast I recommend is the one where I interview Dan Adler of Wink Beds and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. The final episode in the 2018 growth series will be out on Monday. My guest will be Cliff Crosby, who is obsessed with improving customer experience both on and offline. Unsurprisingly, considering he's had over 30 years experience working with some of the best brands in the world. He ran Apple's, yes, Apple, uh, Apple's global premium reseller program, where the focus was on delivering an exceptional in-store experience for customers in over 90 different countries. He was Japan country sales manager for IKEA, global VP for Nokia's retail and customer marketing, and head of Nike's European franchise programme, which included being the first general manager of Nike Town London. Cliff and I discuss how to create the right customer experience on and offline, the importance of creating the right emotions in your customers, fascinating cutting-edge stuff, and lots of tips for offline retail too. Whilst you're waiting for that one, why not watch some of the great videos in the e-commerce masterplan virtual summit? It's completely free and we added another four sessions a couple of weeks ago. Go on, have a watch. ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce masterplan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.